one of the few, I don't know of three photos of Stanley and Jack Kirby. This was then in 1956, I believe, at the NCS, the National Cartoon Society in New York. Anybody, I don't know, does anybody know who those other two guys are? Okay. No. They're not important in this discussion. <laughs> As if I had to tell you, Stanley and Jack uh, co-created the Fantastic Four, which launched the Marvel Universe. So, uh, if all you know is the movies and Stan's cameos, this is where it all, everything began here and also began here with Spider-Man co-created by Stan and Steve Ditko. Um, and of course, we must not forget co-created <laughs> <laughs> by Stan and Al Jaffe, who at age 98 is still doing the Van um, Um So I'm going to just now take it over to our panel. I put these up. Uh, I didn't know what order anybody would be sitting in, but uh, since it's a picture of Michael Uslan and Stan, uh, Michael, why don't you tell us uh, some of your fondest memories of Stan? And also, I put up, I have... Uh, that Just Imagine project that you did in DC. Oh, thank you, Danny. Hi, everybody. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for pointing out that back in the war days, Stan worked on venereal disease films. <laughs> he was adamantly against it. Well, I'm pleased to announce that we've acquired the rights to Stan's earliest creation. And we're going to be making the live action movie Captain VD. <laughs> Will it be in 3D? <laughs> VD in 3D. <laughs> 3D has to be So I, I, have to, I have to tell you quickly what, one of my favorite Stan stories. We were having lunch up in L.A. at Stan's favorite place, Nate Nell's Deli. And uh, it was just at the time Disney announced Ant-Man was going to be made into a movie. And we're there, and Stan turns to me and goes, you know, Michael, i got to tell you, off the record, out of all the superheroes I've ever created, the only one that was a total failure to me that I could never figure out to make successful was Ant-Man. He said, we started, it was me and my brother Larry and Jack Kirby, and we did this um, weird story, The Man in the Anthill. He said, it didn't sell well, but it got a bunch of letters, so I thought, well, maybe there's something here. So we put him in a costume, and I called him Ant-Man. He said, it didn't sell. So then I said, okay, he needs some sex appeal here. We made an Ant-Man in the Lost. It didn't sell. He said, so then I thought, well, maybe fans don't like shrinking heroes. Maybe they'll like growing heroes. He said, so I turned it into Giant Man. Didn't sell. We tried the new Giant Man. Didn't sell. So I changed his name. I made him Goliath, and it didn't sell. So, so then I figured, okay, I bet I have the wrong insect. So he made him Yellow Jacket, and it didn't sell. Now Disney's going to spend two hundred million dollars to make it a movie. Maybe they'll figure out. And, and that was pure Stan. Um, one thing I want to try to mention real quickly: I'm at the premiere of our first Batman movie in 1989. Every star in Hollywood is there. I can give a shit. I was with Stan Lee and Bob Kane, and the two of them were very friendly. And I'm in the middle of an argument between the two of them. A good-natured argument. And Stan says to Bob, you know, if I had written Batman, this thing could have been really successful. <laughs> and Bob said, well, if I had drawn Spider-Man, I could have made a hit out of that. <laughs> and I'm standing there going, wait a minute, Stan Lee version of Batman, I wonder what that could have been. Years later, at the right moment, I said, Stan, 
What if I was able to bring you to DC Comics and recreate Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Justice League the way you would have done them if you had been if they had been at Marvel? Is that something you'd be interested in? He says, Michael, it will never happen. That would be like bringing Henry Ford to General Motors to make cars, <laughs> or the head of uh, Coca-Cola taking the Pepsi challenge and losing. She <laughs> says, DC would never go for it. So thank God, this wonderful, incredible visionary man, Paul Levitz, who was running DC, I was able to get a meeting with Paul. I said, what do you think of this? And he looked at me and said, this would be the most fun. And thanks to him, we were able to make that happen, and Stan went over to D.C. to do this series for a year. The first issue was Superman by John Buscema. It was John's final work. I was in Stan's office when the artwork came in, and Stan's looking at it, and I'm going, this is beautiful, this is beautiful. He says, John is the best. The best. Wait a minute. And then he looks at one page, he said, he did this all wrong. This Superman has got to be flying with his hands out like this. He goes, Michael, wait a minute. Takes John Buscema's original art, tacks up um, tissue paper, outlines the panel borders, hands me a pen, and says, "Draw what I tell you to draw." Okay, I haven't drawn since first grade. So Stan's going, "No, no, no! It's got to be like this." And Stan Lee climbs up on his furniture, has one foot on the couch, one foot on his end table next to a lamp that's about to fall over, and goes, no, Michael, it's got to be just like this, like this. And I'm doing it, and stands on the furniture, and I go, holy shit, I am freaking Jack Kirby. This is <laughs> and these were just two of my favorite moments with the guy who started as my idol, became my mentor, became my friend, someone I was able to work with creatively, whom I will never, ever, ever forget. Stan is his date, if you will, the Batman premiere, and when I saw them, saw them both there, kind of a prescient moment, Stan was jealous that Bob's wife had gotten a cameo in the Batman movie, and sort of, you know, if you put me in, I'd really, I'd love to do a cameo in the Batman movies. I think he got enough cameos in the end. He was kind enough to show up for the book party when we launched. So, uh, so, you're, you're, you're not doing a book that's 17 pounds about him, are you? I, I am not, no. It's, He'd be uh, really pissed at that. Yeah, no, Stan wanted the biggest and the best about whatever it is. So, uh, you know, Roy, Roy did that book. Roy did that. Yeah, but that isn't all about Stan, so that was just... There, actually, there is. He did one that was 17 pounds? Okay. Yes. Then it was... That's a $2,500 book that... Uh, little different market than mine. So, <laughs> so what was Stan, you know, dealing with Stan when you were um, you know, well, see, uh, running stuff? And you know, when I... Stuff at Marvel, any, any good? We really got, got to have a relationship when I got more senior in the business. When I, when I started, at, started out, I was, I was over on the D.C. side, so I didn't have any natural way to work with him the way Marv did, for instance, early on in his career. Um, but it, it was nice because even though there was an enormous age and experience difference, we kind of had more of a, a peerish relationship because of that. So my, my, my favorite story to offer up 
we're at Hamburger Hamlet one night. I'd have dinner with him periodically when I was visiting L.A., which was always always a, a great pleasure. I made it to the second time to his house before bringing along my bound volume of Avengers 1 to 16 for him to sign. And I promised to be a grown-up at dinner, but, uh, but first he was going to sign this for my inner 12-year-old. So we're out, out at dinner, and at that particular moment, Marvel is asking him to do more quote-unquote editorial work. Unclear what that actually was, and if I don't think it actually ever happened. But Stan has the avatar off, which didn't happen very often, even in private conversation, even if you were just sitting with him in a restaurant. He was, he was charming the waitress. You know, she, she'd, be, she'd be ready to climb into the, the, the takeout bag. Um, he, he wasn't going to do anything, but just he excused his Stanness. Um, but the avatar's off, and he's talking about this. He says, so, Paul, you know, I, I haven't been an edit- editor in so long. What do editors do these days? Uh, I said, well, you know, to all intents and purposes, Stan, I haven't been an editor as long as you have. Uh, it's, been a, it's been quite a while. But look, the, you know, the job of an editor is always to get the best possible work out of the creative people. Oh, I, you know, I wasn't much of an editor. I just wrote all the stuff myself. I start laughing at him. Um, and I said, Stan, I'm sorry. You know, I got to work with pretty much all the guys you worked with over those years. I mean, leave, St- leave Stan and Steve aside, and you got better work out of them than anybody else did. But clearly they were geniuses. But, I mean, I worked with Don Heck and Dick Ayers, wonderful, nice, professional men, who, great storytellers. Nobody ever got anything the world really cared about out of them but you. And he started laughing. He started saying, Dick, I remember Dick. He was doing some Western for me. And every time I would send him a script, he'd call up and he'd say, okay, chief, what do you want me to do with this one? And the avatar flipped on without his even realizing it. And it was, well, Dick, you know, it's a Western. I want to see the hoofs flashing and I want to see the spurs shining. And I'm just laughing my fucking head off uh, at him. I said, that's it, Stan. Dick would come in with me and he'd take out his nice little book and he'd say, all right, that three pages a day, I'll be back needing the next script on... You know, June 7th, and I'd say, great, Dick, I'll have the next issue ready for you then. We had a great relationship because he trusted me to have the work ready. I never got him excited about anything. It showed in the work. (laughs) And you were a cheerleader. No pom-poms, no short skirt, but, you know, you really, you got him excited, and it showed in the work in a very different fashion. self-published my first underground comic back in 1969. I sent it to Stan and a with a short letter, never expecting a reply. I got a very nice reply. I replied, he replied. Pretty soon we were steady pen pals, which was great fun. And then he started trying to recruit me to come to New York and work in the bullpen, which at a certain age I would have jumped at, but I was already building my own 
empire with a kitchen sink press and enjoying it. So I kept saying no to him until 1973, which in the underground business we call the crash of 73. I suddenly said to Stan, you know, what about that job offer? <laughs> and I didn't... Uh, I wasn't interested in editing superhero comics. I wanted to keep doing what I was doing. So he agreed to let me do an experimental magazine called Comics Book with an X. I got it up on the screen. Okay. And uh, so for this very first issue, one of my favorite <clears throat> anecdotes about Stan was I had assembled it. In those days, was literally paste up. I was pasting up the title page. And the very last thing I needed was Stan's title. He had been putting it off and putting it off. And so I called him and I said, are you the publisher? Are you the editor-in-chief? What, what and he said, well, I've been thinking about this. He said, uh, I'll tell you what. He said, he said, put down that I'm the instigator. Because he said, if uh, this does really well and makes a lot of money, he says, I can say I instigated it. But... He said, I don't exactly trust you and your crew, and you might get me in a lot of trouble, so I can just say, eh, I only instigated that thing. Pete Poplaski did that. Um, <clears throat> we did a best of comics book uh, through Dark Horse a few years ago. If it, it, it was obviously relatively obscure compared to the superhero stuff, so if you're curious, I think it's one print from Dark Horse. Thank you, Dennis. And now we move on to... Mark is apparently a high-level meeting you and Salvi Samuel were having with Stan at some point. And, uh, a meeting you had with Stan, uh, yeah, with Pages of Nova. So, and, uh, and also a, a shot of you and George at the Stan tribute in L.A. So what, what's your favorite uh, Stan memory? Oh, there's so many, because uh, I worked with him, uh, I was editor-in-chief when he was still in New York, so I got to work with him uh, pretty much every day. Closer to the mic. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I got to work with him pretty much every day, but the fun part is Stan is as outgoing in real life. I mean, you can close the door, and nobody could be there, and he'll still be very positive. <laughs> He's one of the most positive people I've ever seen in some people are smirking. I'm talking about in the good way. He really is. So one day I walk into his office and he says, Hey, Mark, how are you? <laughs> and, I went, and I'm not outgoing in the slightest. I went, fine. <laughs> he said, no. You're not fine, you're great. <laughs> and from that point on, every time he'd ask me, I'd just go, I'm great. He'd say, great. So, uh, Stan... Was the time we were walking, you were talking about toupees or something. I don't know if he actually had one or not, but we were walking for, for lunch. <laughs> uh, and it's a very windy day in New York, and he has his hands like this as we're walking. And I made some sort of a comment about why he was doing that. He said, the wind gets any uh, worse, you are going to have to chase it. <laughs> There was another time, it was a Friday night at the Marvel bullpen, and people were going crazy as they always did, because you know, that's what they do on a Friday night. And a whole bunch of people were fake wrestling. And uh, somebody goes cascading out the front door, out, out the door into the wall, and is lying there as Stan is walking by. So 
People were wrestling there. They collapse in front of Stan. He looks at that. He continues walking, steps over the corpse of the person, and he says, keep it up, men, and goes on. It made working there fun. It made working there something you enjoyed because the guy in charge loved it. He loved it, and he showed that, and he exuded the love that he had for what he was doing. Uh, I have only good memories of Stan and only good thoughts of Stan, and we worked together for eight years, so he was a really good guy, and he honestly knew everything. I could go in, no matter what question I had, I could spend a, a week trying to figure out something, and I could go into his office, and he'd tell me how to fix it in two seconds. Amazing. Thank you. just turned up this year, this winter, um, some old records that we had. So that what I'm holding there is uh, Newfangles, which was a newsletter that we sent out. My late husband and I did the first amateur magazine about comic art, and then Newfangles was a newsletter that we published every month to bring people up to date. And the, in this particular case, the rumor was that Stan had been fired for hiring his relatives <laughs> and had gone to Charlton. That was a literary problem. And so we did... Uh, how to squash a wild rumor, and I called Marvel, and Stan answered the phone, and so we said that kind of explained it right there, and uh, so it was that relationship, but what my daughter turned up embarrassingly was, uh, so, so we did this fanzine starting in 1961, and we sent it to Stan, and all these guys were kids, right? We were the grown-ups in the world of fandom. And so I, at age 20, wrote Stan, I am not kidding, a six-page letter explaining what he was doing right and what he was doing wrong. <laughs> and my daughter is laughing hysterically at my presumption. I'm sorry, Loki is not Odin's son. Loki, in case you didn't know that. <laughs> and Stan sent back a letter. And it was, it's so wonderful to have fans so enthusiastic that they will spend all this time writing to us to explain their feelings. And thank you so much for the comic art magazine. I'd be glad to answer any question you might have for me as long as the answer is yes or no. <laughs> Patient, funny, wonderful. The other thing I want to emphasize is I finally went back and did an analysis when Fantastic Four number one came out that we had on the screen. It was 12 simultaneous comic books. There were two writers, Stan and his brother Larry. It was um, amazing, and most of them were anthologies, which meant multiple stories in the issue. Amazing Adventures, Gunsmoke Western, Journey into Mystery, Kid Cold Outlaw, Linda Carter, Student Nurse, Love Romances, Millie the Model Comics, Strange Tales, Tales of Suspense, Tales to Astonish, Teenage Romance, and Fantastic Four number one. Now can you imagine this workload? That was 12 titles. The same month, DC 
had 28 titles. No editor at DC was handling more than seven. That was a team of Jack Schiff, Murray Boltonoff, and George Cashton, and they had other people writing them. People say, oh, Stan, he was just a PR guy. Oh, Stan, he really didn't do anything. I challenge you to match that workload. <laughs> Actually, I, I had been at a party. I, 
I'm going to name drop. I had been at a party where James Cameron was there, and it was, it was a party in Stan's house. And that was actually where they decided to do uh, a Spider-Man cartoon show, because Margaret Lesh was there as well, and she was the head of Fox Kids. Um, so uh, months later, I got a call from Stan out of the clear blue that he wanted me to do that show. And that was really, um, that was just a gift. Because I don't think I was Fox's number one choice to do an action adventure show. I was mostly known for comedy back then. I, I had just come off of doing Friday Rock with Jim Henson. Yeah.
for some of us older people, there were a lot of comic book conventions like that. Went down the hall in one ballroom, that was the convention. I walked down, and there were a couple people there, and standing outside at his own table was Stanley. Now, at 16, I just got and started collecting comic books. The name Stanley was like the Pope to me, right? <laughs> Every comic book you bought from Marvel started with these words. Stanley presents. <laughs> and in my mind, I, you just went, wow, he's, he's touching all of these things. He's like this comic book god. He touches everything. <laughs> so I, I sat there and went, wow, the Pope's here. There's a great <laughs> With the hopes of it, I, I was always pestering people, asking questions. And, and I, like I said to Stan over and over, you never remember the day, but it was so impactful. I asked him, I go, hey, Mr. Lee, do you mind, as you were signing, do you mind if, uh, if I ask you a few questions? And without hesitating, and this is the, the, the piece that I, I don't think you remember, without hesitating, he grabbed an empty chair and put it right next to himself. And he said, here, sit right here, fire away. And he let me sit next to him for six hours. <laughs> and he, he didn't act like he was being bothered, or at least I was too young to act. And I just peppered him, and he gave me sort of advice, and advice, and advice, and it was one of the seminal moments of my career where I went back home to Canadian kids, because you think everything's happening in New York and L.A., you're never going to be able to touch it. And I went, wow, he said that we can do it. They, they're now basically letting people live in different places, and you can do it. So that was my meeting of him that he would never, that he would never know. Fast forward, you know, I began friends with him when he sort of, I started doing Spider-Man, that he was a joy, encouraged me to do all the things that some of the editors of Marvel said stop doing, that he basically said keep going. But this photo right here, go back to that photo right there. Again, it's, 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 it's a big moment. I had the pleasure of introducing Stan Lee when he got his Hollywood Walk of Fame star. Right? So, the, the reason it was such a big deal for me, and I think for our industry, is it was the first time they acknowledge somebody in our industry comic books, right? He broke, he broke the barrier to say that we're worthy enough to be on the same stage to all these names that we all grew up with in our country. So, so I, I had a relationship with Stan where as he's getting older, his hearing was failing. His eyesight was failing. And he, he goes, Todd, I can't, I can't really hear too much anymore. I need somebody to be up on stage with me. So, can you come to this event? Can you come to this event? Can you come to this event? Because I can't hear what the fans are saying when they're asking questions. So, and I just need you to basically sort of reframe it, look to me so I can hear you, so they don't know that I can't hear. A couple years later, he got himself a hearing aid, goddammit. <laughs> How can I show them that 80 I have to have an earring? But, um, but I remember one, I this one big thing with the Stanley, and you guys were, you probably remember that. The Stanley panel. And I had to do this interpretation. And he couldn't hear me because the microphone was messing with them. So what was happening on this big giant stage was that I was over here at the podium asking the questions, and since you couldn't hear, Within about 12 minutes, he just started inching and 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 and it's a blank stage. <laughs> 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 so I kept trying to say, 
was special that he opened it up. There are a couple other there are a couple other times. All those times, let me let me just tell you, and to Mark's point, it is absolutely true, my experience. The Stanley on stage and off stage was the exact same man. It was not an act. Let me tell you that it was genuine. If any of you had the luck to be able to meet him, it was completely genuine. The other genius of this man, the superpower I said of this man, is that in 30 seconds, because he knew he had a thousand people in line, in 30 seconds he can make you feel special. He, he, I saw him dozens and dozens of times sitting next to him, make that 30 seconds as important to that person as he could possibly do. Because he knows if it didn't work, they would be dissatisfied. And then he had to do it again the next 30 seconds for the next person. And he did it with joy, right? So he got, I can tell you personally, he got as much joy out of you as you got out of him. We would sit in the back room, the green room, whatever, before we go on the stage, and he would say these things to them. Especially near the end of his life. Can you believe this? Can you believe what's happening right now? All these people, look at the smiles. Isn't this great? Isn't this great? Who would have thunk it? Right? Who would have thunk it? And you can just see the joy he had. He had two great joys, from my perspective, in his life. Being around people who like comics, and his wife Tony. Those, those, I don't know if we have, oh, there we go. So there, okay, here we are on stage. He was always bugging me. He'd start, I would have to ask him one question, and he would just go, and I'd be basically a shadow at that point. And he would say those things like, why is this ugly human being next to me? Why am I spreading time here? So we had this little shit that we would do, and it was, it was great fun. Like I said, I ended up doing it over and over and over with him, and, and uh, we had uh, a lot of good with it. The, the, the thing that I know that he had, his perfect wife was, he got to go to these conventions with joy. You guys gave him joy, and then at the end, he was kind of a private guy, I think, and then he would go home to his wife, right? <coughs> and then, unfortunately, his wife died, right before he showed me down person. And for me, I saw, I, I could see the difference. And, and, and if there was an autopsy on Stanley, I, 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 I think he died in a broken heart. He would say to me near the end, I wish I could be with Joni. I wish I could be with Joni. I can't see, I can't hear, I can't, my wife's not here, I wish I could be with Joni. So, because the two things he wanted to do was to go to the show, he couldn't anymore. He couldn't, I, mean, I had the honor to be on the stage from the very last time he was ever on the stage in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, and he lost that because he couldn't hear it and see, it was gone. The convention would be annoyed, and his wife was taken away. And, and, that, and that was the moment that I just want this man to be full of joy. I went, oh, and I, and I, 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 wanted, I wanted to encourage him to go and, and to keep going because I thought he'd go to 110, right? We all did. But I'll, I'll give you the moment he surprised me the most. I was in the trailer with him one time and we were having a conversation. He would forget your story. The great thing about him would be at 90 you have hundreds of great stories, right? Everyone in his one hour panel could have gone to four. So I'll answer this for a couple questions when he would tell me the story. And I was sitting with him one time, and I was telling my kids here, because he would tell me. And he'd go, Tom, have I ever told you what I think the greatest word in the world is? The most useful, most valuable word in the world is? No, 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 I don't think so. It's fuck. <laughs>
It can be a noun. <laughs> I, 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 I love the man. I love, I, he was like a father to me. Like, he was like, 
and, and there are moments now in, in the past where I see some of those pictures and I go, oh, I don't get to go on stage with them right? It's, it's, it, the, the, the joy we have is, is now, and I'm just going to have to put it in, in my mind, we all have the story, we all have it here. And like you, we just, we just miss them, we just miss them to death. So thanks for listening. Thank you.
Maybe someday I'll get to New York and see you, or you'll come out here and see me. That wouldn't be bad. I think I still remember what you look like. Enjoy your 95th birthday. I suppose when you're 96, I'll have to figure out who let me know, and I'll have to send you another video. When you're 97, I'll have to send you another one. Jesus. I should have written a speech that would have been clever. Instead of trying to add live, and I feel like an idiot. So I'm going to sign up now before you tell people, what, we thought that Stan had some talent? Thank you to this wonderful crew. What a great, what a great event. Just, uh...